Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the Sound Studio at The Space LV. Jamie Ray and Kelsey Grant believe that true intimacy introduces us to our true selves and that we must face the depths of our own pain in order to call in legendary love. Prior to meeting, both experienced traumatic breakups and dove deep into their shadow work and personal healing. It provided them with the foundation and the tools needed to create a healthy, conscious relationship. Jamie and Kelsey are love and relationship coaches, co-hosts of the Power Couple podcast, as well as co-founders of the online relationship school, The Legendary Love Academy. They're intent on bringing you all of the essential love skills you need while having loads of fun along the way. Learning doesn't have to be lame. In fact, when it comes to learning skills for love, dating, and partnership, having fun and enjoying the process only make it stick faster and more efficiently. Their mission is to honor the sacred spaces of healing, repair, and old hurts, while also knowing when humor, lightness, and open-hearted fun are needed. Today, Jamie, Kelsey, and I dig deep into what makes a great relationship work and how to create one through intention, self-awareness, and open communication. We talk about understanding our triggers and how to work through them, the benefit of finding someone who is willing to do the work with you, and how to own the ways that you contribute to the relationship, good or bad. Let's dig in. I am so excited to have with me today on Gold, Jamie Ray and Kelsey Grant from the Power Couple Podcast. Thanks for calling in today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're super stoked to be here. This is going to be fun. I am so excited because this is the first um, the first time I've interviewed two people at the same time, but more specifically, a couple to talk about love. So I'm really excited. Um, I know, right? I've been looking for you guys. You have no idea. Um, I am fascinated by the fact that you are love coaches in a romantic relationship and you talk about it so openly. And um, one of the things that really struck me was kind of like, hey, if an alien life force came to this earth and wanted to figure out how to like navigate love relationships, we'll help them, but then we'll also help them break up if it's not the right one for them. And I was like, I get that. I so get that. Um, So I wanted to kind of talk to you a little Mm -hmm. bit because I have friends on both sides of the spectrum. I have friends who are single and frustrated and many times don't recognize kind of their own anxieties and frustrations that are, are are manifesting in in the people like sometimes we walk into a dating situation with our guard up right and we are mm. um looking at the other person like how are you going to hurt me and then i've got friends on the other side of the spectrum who have been in relationships for long periods of time and um the things that drove them crazy about the relationship from the very beginning are just uglier older and they're more resentful and i'm in the middle I have finally brought into my life a wonderful man who treats me with great respect. Mm. We speak and communicate about our relationship daily, and we are building and growing, and I get dirty looks from both sides. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> talk to me um, about what you guys, from your experience with coaching couples, let's start with dating, and your own experience 
Um, what do you think are some of the the kind of the blocks that that people who are looking for that that love um, find that they have to overcome in order to call in that great love? Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is at least like from the women that I've worked with and the men that I've worked with, uh, there's a lot of self-worth issues going on. Mm. And until those are addressed and we get into the heart of our own pain and our Mm -hmm. own discomfort, uh, relationships are going to be really hard, Yeah, like really hard to be with because when you're with someone in that romantic capacity, uh, it brings everything to the surface mm-hmm. and you can't hide. And that's why relationships can be so grueling at times mm-hmm. because we're having to face ourselves in ways that we never have before and we don't really feel skilled and equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. And the more and more we get into the heart of our self-worth and really reboot that, um, it makes it easier. You have a little bit more of a window of tolerance <laughs> to be in <laughs> yeah, a relationship yeah, yeah. and to be with the other person who is going to trigger you and irritate Mm. you, but also like bring you great joy and pleasure and satisfaction. So like we have to be able to be with the full range of our humanness before getting into a relationship. If we want that relationship to go really well, in my opinion. Yeah. And something that comes up for me, you know, just kind of adding on that is like, you know, when it comes to relationships, it's basically expanding our, our tolerance for our own discomfort, expanding our tolerance for our own pain. And like, I just wrote about this on Instagram recently, but like, I have this term that I made up called relational bypassing, which is when you use a relationship as this kind of arena, this you, you, this utopian ground to rise above your pain mm-hmm. rather than meet your pain. And something that, that I've seen kind of, you know, with, with clients in the dating phase is, you know, again, kind of going back to that self-worth thing, but looking as re- at relationships as this utopian salvation mm. where I will be absolved of all my pain without having to meet my pain, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden this relationship, this connection will be so magical that I won't have to meet my pain in order to create this truly great int- intimate relationship. But true intimacy and like, you know, consciousness in a relationship is where the relationship actually makes us meet more of our pain and it gives us the courage and the confidence to meet ourselves in a way that we've never met ourselves before. But I think one thing that I've seen just from my experience with with people in dating is that we want that relationship where we can kind of, you know, get away with with murder in a sense, where we can get that great relationship mm-hmm. without having to do that really gritty work boot type stuff and actually meet our pain. So I think that's a huge thing that that I've kind of seen in dating is that that we want that relationship without having to meet our pain. But there's yeah. a one way, one way road to a great relationship, and the only way is through meeting your own pain, through meeting your childhood pain. That's so. So it's two things that you said really struck me. Well, first of all, if you have this idea that the relationship's going to be this utopian adventure, you're creating an expectation that the, that other person's never going to be able to meet. You're always going to be holding this person on high, and they are also human and hopefully greeting their own pain and figuring out what their own triggers are. And the word trigger is really fascinating to me because um, before I met my partner, I was single for five years. I had gone through an ugly divorce. I was single. I dated. I had some like minor relationships, but I truly spent time on myself. And so when I re-entered the dating pool with intention, looking for a partner, not a casual relationship, I decided like 
I need to make sure that this is someone who's willing to do the work with me. And I also had done so much work on myself that I knew what my, some of my ugly was, right? And so when I greeted this person, I was able to look at him and say, hey, this experience that we've just had has triggered me. So I'm not sure if it's something that you did or if it's something that's pulling up something old, but I need to work through this and think about it so that I don't, I don't come back at you blaming you. And because we'd done so much, we'd had so many conversations from the very beginning about a intentional and um, committed relationship. He was like, he squared shoulders with me and was like, I've got you. Let's work through that. Let's understand that. He didn't shy away. He didn't roll his eyes. He didn't run away. But he got it and he started to be able to kind of even mirror some of the same language. When I would do things, he would say, I think that I'm being triggered. I think that this is something that's coming up for me. And instead of making it about the other person, it was like, how can I grow from this experience? But that took a lot of work. And that took a lot of of kind of awareness of self and, and sometimes it's hard to get to that space. And I see a lot of a lot of my friends are in those positions, and I was too at some point in time, where you're kind of like waiting for the person to hurt you. And you're kind of looking at that. So I think what I'm getting from you guys is, first of all, there has to be a lot of self-awareness that a lot of times the drama that you're mm-hmm. inflicting within your relationship has a lot to do with you. Um, and then secondly, it has to be like understanding unnatural responses are sometimes triggers. And I'm curious for the two of you, and you know, Kelsey, I looked a little bit at your Instagram and I understand that you did a lot of internal work on yourself before you guys came together. Did you find that you spent both of you time really getting to know who you were and your pain points before you found each other so that the conversation was more clean? Or did one of you kind of bring the other to that side? Um, Well, I won't speak for Jamie, (laughs) Um, but I'll speak for myself. And, you know, prior to meeting Jamie and obviously our relationship, I had done a lot of work and I'd been in this industry as a coach. Um, I've been doing this since 2009. So like I had been in the world of personal development and relational development for a long time and about, I guess... I guess it was 2016, I went through like a really rough breakup and that really brought me to my edges. And that's when I was kind of offered the opportunity to integrate everything Mm -hmm. that I had learned intellectually up until that point. And it was, you know, a year and a half of like really intense integration before Jamie and I even started talking. Mm And then when we started talking, it was such a slow burn. Mm. Like we we just talked <laughs> on Instagram, on texting, FaceTime for five months before we even met each other in person. And then we took a couple more months to date each other before stepping into a romantic partnership. And that allowed us to kind of pace and have these conversations in that courting dating phase that really would reveal if both of us were equipped Mm -hmm. to have those bigger conversations that a relationship requires. Mm -hmm. And my experience of Jamie was that he was totally capable of having those conversations. And in many ways, he surprised me. And I was kind of taken back like, oh, who is this alien? Like, I created a dude yeah. that can have these conversations and, like, who can really meet me, especially when I'm hurt. Like, when, like, something's been said that hurts my feelings or I'm feeling triggered, mm-hmm. um, he was able to meet me with such tenderness, but also wasn't a pushover mm-hmm. because yeah. 
I can eat men alive. (laughs) I can run circles around people. So I needed someone who would be able to stand up to me and stand up with me um, so that I can't get away with those types of covert manipulations that I, you know, can be a masterful, I can Mm. really be masterful at. So Mm. um, he really showed me in that courting phase that he was capable of, really having those conversations, but also that strength of his integrity to, Mm. you know, stand up to me if I was crossing a line. Mm. And like, to me, like someone who has done their work is capable of doing that. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I won't speak for you and (laughs) and what you did on your end, but from my experience, you had done that work. That's, that's essentially what love is. I feel like is find your alien, find (laughs) Find your alien, find your compatible Martian that you know, like find an alien that, that, that you know, wants to exist in the, on the same weird planet that you are, you know, like compatible weirdness. But but Jeanette, so kind of, my, I guess, my story with that is I went through a very traumatic breakup at the very end of 2015, which kind of floored me for a while. Mm-hmm. And I went through therapy after that breakup. And that's kind. that was kind of my introduction. I guess this was like early 2016 into what I would say would be shadow work yes. was... I went through this traumatic breakup and, you know, before I think in breakups, you know, you would kind of break up, then you go, okay, like I'm going to go on dates, you know, I'm going to distract myself from this pain and I'm just, you know, going to go, you know, sleep with a bunch of girls or I'm going to go and party with my guy friends and distract myself and be around people. But I went through therapy after this breakup, the end of 2015, and I basically learned how to own my side of the fence because Mm -hmm. I was dealing with a lot of anger. I was dealing with a lot of frustration. It was, it was a toxic relationship. It was a very dysfunctional relationship. And I basically learned how to claim my part in, you know, kind of the ending of that relationship and basically learned how, you know, sometimes when like a relationship ends that we have, you know, a fear or worry of like, what are other people saying? There's shame that comes, you know, sometimes with the ending of a relationship for, you know, failing at love or or for being a part of the makeup of this toxic and dysfunctional relationship. And I basically learned how to own my side. And I had to gain this like newfound intimacy with myself through owning the ways in which I had screwed up through owning the ways in which I had contributed to this toxic um, dynamic in this relationship. And I had never done that before in a relationship. And that was kind of, you know, it was the beginning of my personal spiritual awakening, but it was kind of the beginning of me really cracking open and gaining a newfound intimacy with myself. And I always feel, you know, I always say this to clients too, that like, the most successful partners are partners who have integrated failure. So mm-hmm. the, I, I feel like the most successful partners are the ones who have failed the most at love, mm-hmm. but they've integrated their failures. And that was the first time that I really, really actually integrated. And that's kind of what put me on my personal course in self-development. And then Kelsey and I met in 2018. And when I met Kelsey, it was like, she introduced me to not only like my spiritual practice, but just this Basically, upon meeting, like Kelsey was the gatekeeper, the Martian gatekeeper <laughs> for this alien world world that like that my soul had always wanted to be a part of, but it almost didn't even know. And then I met Kelsey, and it was just like the way she conducted herself in her life. I was like, whoa, like yeah. what is this world? Like just the way, you know, just the way she was showing up. She was just, you know, I never met someone who was as integrated as her. I never met someone who was you know, as, as knowledgeable about relationships. And, you know, that was kind of my real entry because, you know, I only started coaching in 2018. And even though I had been doing, you know, therapy and some shadow work, 
that was like the the first time I really got conscious of the work I was doing was was not till 2018, and that entry point was kind of meeting Kelsey. And then, as you say, I think you're you know at a similar point in, in your relationship and and now creating this beautiful container which is unlike anything that I've ever experienced where you actually have those really hard conversations yes. um you know I only just learned how to communicate my needs how to how to advocate for myself how to set boundaries and so this relationship with with Kelsey has been this beautiful experience of growth and healing mm-hmm. and you know meeting myself in 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 ways that I never have before because I feel like in a relationship, you know it's a really aligned connection when it's going to require you to meet more of yourself than you've ever met, and you know uncover those those gritty parts of yourself. You know, be able to you know create a healthy relationship with your shame because the shame, your shame that is like the you know the door, the drawbridge that we hold the castle to the ultimate intimacy in our mm. connection, and so it's just been this beautiful growth and tra- transformative experience of you know, getting, getting to know this alien world, as, as, as you say, and you know, this, this planet of Mars or Pluto, yeah. <laughs> wherever we are, our, 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 our I think it should be Venus. No, I love yeah, that. Venus. Yeah. I think so like for, I, you've said so many things that I, that resonate with me and it's really interesting too, because I had to understand the word intimacy from a completely new perspective because you think of intimacy and you think of romance right you think of like oh being intimate or you you kind of sexualize the word or make it about gestures um from the the fairy tales and the movies that you watch and kind of your expectations of love um that are half-baked and very um young and immature and what was really fascinating for me is I had to realize that intimacy with self does involve recognizing both your shadow and your light, recognizing how you have yes. failed, how you have not always shown up for yourself um, in so many ways, advocating for yourself in love and, and having strong and appropriate boundaries, but also how you could have created some of – like I even had to accept – um, my responsibility for some of the failure in past relationships where I had many times turned the finger on the other person because they were bigger and uglier than me. Do you know? So it was like I had to understand um, a new relationship with intimacy with self. But then what was fascinating too is as I was doing deeper work and really trying to uncover it, I was writing a book at the time. And one of the um, mm-hmm. chapters was on relationships. And it was because I was getting feedback from women about things they wish they would have known when they were younger. And none of them had anything great to say about how they were brilliant at relationships at a young age. And I was like, I had this one chapter that was just like, it was like dead air. And I wrote it. My publisher came back to me and they were like, this chapter in relationships is pretty blank. Like it's very surface level. And I was like, I have never had a successful relationship. And so they're like, well, then you need to go figure out how you feel about them because all of the rest of the book is 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 deep and you know contextual and then you have this one chapter where you can tell you're like and eh, none of us really have gotten this part right so i did all this research and i started reading about anger conflict and intimacy and how they are correlated and interrelated and i thought that that was really fascinating that the things that i'm sometimes the most afraid of which is being vulnerable and being in conflict are what actually drives intimacy mm-hmm. with your partner deeper when you can do it from a place of respect and mutual kind of um, communication. And you're, you're coming to the table from a place of like we are a team trying to get through something so that we can be deeper and more in love. But right now it aches and it hurts and it's painful. 
And it was kind of funny because I started um, dating my current partner at the time. And he came over one night and we had just started dating and it was a slow burn, just like you said, slow burn, took a while to get like to move mm-hmm. it forward. It's It's been that way, but it's grown and it's so beautiful. And I said, hey, there's a bunch of books around my house about marriage and intimacy and conflict. And I don't want you to get the wrong idea, but I'm writing a book and I have to write a <laughs> chapter and I have to have an opinion. And he was like, oh, my God, you have a roadmap. And I was like. I guess I do. And so like it started from this place of he was also searching for someone who could communicate with him and that would have a roadmap and he would square shoulders and be like, I'm willing to have these really hard and ugly conversations with you Um, because they drive you so much deeper into. And I think it's not just love, but it's also seeing the humanity in another person. And rather than kind of um, mirroring and throwing your stuff at them and waiting to see how they respond, but kind of being like, hey, we've both had a human experience. Let's try to figure this life out together. Um, And it's just been so powerful. And I wish I would have known the things that I do now back then, but I realize I had to have the back then to get to this point, right? Like we've all had to have the really ugly breakups and the really painful moments. And whether it's therapy or deep introspective work, You have to get to this place where you're like, okay, I'm broken open. One of the things that I talk to him a lot about is that I am fearful of resentment because I know that once you're in a relationship for a period of time and you don't handle things and you don't talk about the stuff that bothers you or you lovingly accept the annoyances of the, like the annoying things the other person does, but then they kind of like over time it builds resentment, that worries me and some of my married friends that's where they are in their relationships they've gotten to places where they feel so resentful they don't know if they can overcome it and I'm curious from your perspective Mm -hmm. when you're talking to people about communication and and trying to avoid resentment um, what do you see and what advice would you have I am so excited to finally announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media, and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who wants so deeply to use tech for good, and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my Gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me, so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings, including meditation, breathwork, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, Live will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Live meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge, a thoughtful guide and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way, to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP, in all caps. Join the movement. 
And, and trying to avoid resentment, um, what do you see and what advice would you have? Um, well, I think if we're trying to avoid something, we're kind of setting a course straight for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that, you know, if I'm trying to outrun something and like, oh, I never want to feel resentment mm-hmm. and because that means that we're on this course for implosion, then we're actually like unconsciously running the course for implosion. Um, And so at least from my experience, like I allow that there's going to be pockets, there's going to be Mm -hmm. moments Mm -hmm. where I might feel resentful and my commitment is to clean that up. Yeah. My commitment is to bring that forward when I've made sense of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because like if I'm feeling resentful, like there's usually a need of mine that isn't being um, nourished. And so I can use resentment as like this, um, thing that I need to outrun and like prevent and like never experience, or I can use it as the biggest symbol that, Oh, there's actually a deeper need that was in your blind spot that maybe you weren't even aware of, but now you are because you're feeling resentment and Mm -hmm. that's your cue. Mm -hmm. It's your cue to bring something more intimate, emotionally intimate forward to your partner and let him in on that part of who you are and what you need to be at your best. Or maybe there's a boundary that I'm overstepping mm-hmm. and I'm allowing to get plowed over and my soul is screaming and it's like, this is not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's about you know bringing that forward and correcting it and creating more of a united front on all of those layers and you know that my needs matter Mm -hmm. my boundaries matter jamie's needs matter his boundaries matter or whoever i might be working with like because both people in the container their experience matters and it's Mm -hmm. valid and we can either be really afraid of resentment and i totally get what you're saying because if we have a relationship built on resentment that is toxic like you're so disconnected and of course we don't want that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we catch it and like the second we feel that resentment, it becomes the cue of like, huh, there's something deeper to explore here about my needs and my boundaries and what I'm not letting my partner into that in order for us to have a healthy relationship, he needs to be looped into. Yeah. And not from a place of you're a horrible partner and like, (laughs) I can't believe that you don't like, honor this boundary or honor this need that you didn't even know was there. Like, how dare you? Exactly. (laughs) You know, but from this position of, Hey, like I didn't even know this was there Mm -hmm. and I'm figuring like, at least in our relationship, like I am figuring out parts of myself Mm -hmm. as we go. Mm -hmm. Like I knew a lot about myself coming into this relationship, but like there are parts that are being revealed every day Mm. that I'm like, Whoa, didn't know that was there. (laughs) Whoa, what is that? Mm. And like, if I do feel that resentment, because I have, you know, there are times where I feel that resentment and Mm. we're either caught in our over-functioner, under-functioner dynamic, or, you know, one of us is, you know, shut off and shut down, or, you know, we haven't been prioritizing date night or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that's going on. 
Um, but that's such gold. It's like the grist for the mill that we really use to really refine our connection, not only with ourselves, because I have to reboot that connection with myself in order to bring that forward to him. Mm. And once I do that alchemy of like, okay, Kelsey, what's going on for you? Like, why are you feeling this resentment? Mm. What are you not connecting to internally? Like, what are you disassociating from? Mm. And then what are you not looping him into? Yeah. And once I do that internal process, then I can loop him in from a place of, hey, you're my team member. Mm -hmm. And this thing is kind of interfering yeah. in us winning this masterful game. And do you want to create a new a, create a new play? And like we do a lot of sports references mm -hmm. in our podcast, so that's <laughs> why I'm doing that. But like, like do you want to create a new play so that we can actually get, you know, the goal or the touchdown? Yeah. And when I can position it that way there's a higher likelihood that Jamie's going to be responsive mm. <laughs> and wants to, to, you know, play the game with me versus if I come out guns blazing and accusing him of being a horrible person, like chances are he's not going to want to meet me on the field. He'll mm. be like, I don't even want to play this game with you. anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I love everything you said there. Kelsey. Thank That's, you. That was fantastic. And, um, I feel like step one, is that we need to embrace the idea that a healthy relationship is a perpetual moving cycle between disconnection and connection. And that is going to be a lifelong process that love and relationship is not a destination, but it's a process and it's a process of repair. It's a process of moving from disconnection to connection. And I think we need to reframe the resentment because reframe is a cue for deeper and more enhanced vulnerability. And resentment is a precious gold mine opportunity for a to climb a step on the ladder of your relationship. Mm. When you're feeling the the resentment, that is a cue that you need to go deeper. Mm. You need to rise even higher with deeper vulnerability. And I think the the resentment is is kind of the the front the front to like the deeper gooey vulnerability vul, vulner, vulnerability. <laughs> I can't say that right now. Um, that we're you know either afraid or we're confronted to bring to the table. And the resentment is a cue that it's a relational up level. Mm -hmm. Means there's another rung that our relationship is trying to go to, to a more deeper enhanced mm -hmm. intimacy. And we're confronted with the resentment. So that, that resentment is actually a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for your relationship to go deeper. And I, I just posted about this last night, but I have this thing in a relationship where when you, when you get into a relationship, you become two things. You become a miner and a plumber. And you have two jobs, mine for gold and plunge the crap out of your relationship. <laughs> and I, and I, I consider the connection your relationship is a love pipe. And it's you and your partner's job to plunge the crap out of your connection. So the plunging is the, the cleaning of the connection, well, whereas the mining for gold is the deepening and expanding of the connection. Mm -hmm. And those are the two functions that are most important. And so every week, every day, we're plunging. We're on our hands and knees, we're <laughs> plunging, and we're working at the connection. And so embracing that idea that a great relationship moves between disconnection and connection, and that's the process because disconnection is what leads to greater connection yeah. because we're, we're, we're at this moment of resentment um, where I'm looking at my partner through an amplified version of their work. So also shadow work is important, mm -hmm. owning the ways in which you're difficult, and we recorded a podcast on this about your negative core image. But basically, you and your partner need to out the ways in which you're difficult. And you need to take claim and ownership. These are the ways in which I'm difficult. 
And when you can have communication, what happens when you see each other through these these lenses, through these goggles, where it's an amplified version of the worst, there's so much liberation and freedom mm-hmm. now because you can now cue each other when, when, you're, when you're relating to one another through these yeah. lenses and be like, okay, there's some crap that we need mm-hmm. to plunge. And that's the cue that we need to go back into plumbing and plunging mode in our relationship. <laughs> and I think what happens so often in connections is we live in that state of disconnection. We get stuck at a cruising altitude of some form of disconnection because we haven't plunged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we there's something that we have that we're afraid to look at or bring to our partner. Mm. And again, it's a beautiful opportunity to move from adversaries to to teammates. Love it. That we can um, now we got to move back to to collaboration together. Mm-hmm. Right now we're in opposition. Mm-hmm. How do we get back to even deeper, more intimate collaboration? And this mm-hmm. is a beautiful opportunity for our relationship to expand and improve even greater than it's been. I love that, Jane. I love that. I think so. I, I was reading. I, I want to say it was uh, Gary Smalley. I can't remember. It was a book that I read when I was going through that process of what do I think about relationships um, when I was writing my book. <laughs> and he wrote about like being in conflict with his wife and how there's two things that he mm. did. One was he actually had a list of all the things that he loved about her that he kept on his computer, and it just continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. And so that Mm. whenever they were in conflict before he said something sharp, he would go, if it was a a big deal, right? He would go and he would read over that Mm. list and remind himself of all the things he loved about her so that he could see her as he knew she was in in pure spirit and then speak to that woman. And Mm. I was like, wow, that's really powerful. So I made my my boyfriend and I both have notes in our our phone with like a list of all the things we love about each other. Um, And then secondly, he said every time we're in conflict – it's an opportunity for me. And he's like, I put kind of a prayer up, like, thank you, God, for letting me know her better. And I was like, because he looked at that as being an opportunity to take that conflict, which could lead to resentment. You could kind of interchange where you are in that in that place and mm-hmm. say, this is an opportunity for me to love her more, to love her deeper and to love her better. And I think what's interesting is I think about the fact that we're all just so we, we all want to be loved and to be seen, right? And sometimes yeah. when we're in these ugly places of resentment or frustration or what have you, you build up this idea, this image of this beast sitting across mm-hmm. the table from you and how they're doing this thing to you, right? Instead of clearing that away and just being like, this is another person that just wants to be loved and who's looking at me probably with the same kind of perspective. When you're not in a – I think – that's where a lot of people are when they're when they're shrouded in their pain, right? They're shrouded in their old stories and their beliefs that they do not they're not worthy of of the love that they so desire. Um, you have a tendency to make the other person's expectations and what their intention are so much uglier than than is is true. Um, and so I just I think it's so important um, to just really look at the other person like like you said, like you're my teammate. You're my partner. We've we're we've got this thing, you know, called life. And with my partner and I, we're raising girls. We have two little girls, and so it's kind of like, okay, teammate, mm-hmm. how are we modeling a healthy relationship for them too? Because that's very important for me that they see a healthy, loving, and respectful relationships, so they don't go out mm-hmm. into their own love relationships mm-hmm. in the future with an expectation that you know uh, is inappropriate or un. You know, I, I want them to be able to go into into their first relationships with boundaries and expectations that are healthy, um, not from a place mm-hmm. of, of pain. Um, 
that's that's mm. kind of my <laughs> my goal. So there's times where I look at my partner and I'm like, we'll be in a we'll have an interaction, and I'm like, hey, so we probably shouldn't talk like this in front of the girls. <laughs> like we're not modeling a healthy relationship right now. <laughs> I'm like, we get each other into check really fast, um, but it's really beautiful. Mm. Are you when when you guys have these conversations like on your podcast with other couples or with specialists or what have you, where you're working with people? Do you find that you come back to each other to share the conversations or incorporate some of the things that you learn? Like, what have been the biggest takeaways from coming together and then creating a platform to talk about relationships? And how is that kind of mirrored in your own relationship? Um, you know, something that sticks out to me as, um, you know, going back to when we did this podcast about owning the ways in which you're difficult, and it was um the podcast was about was about was it terry reels mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it was terry reels um thing about negative core image mm-hmm. and before we hopped on the podcast obviously you know integrity is really really important kelsey and i and so it really holds us accountable in our own relationship that we need yeah. to make sure that we're modeling the things that we talk about and i remember it was it was you know a few days before we did this podcast where we had to own the ways in which we were difficult to each other. Mm. And we had to communicate our negative core image of each other, which was essentially us communicating this amplified, grandiose version of us at our worst. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. It was really hard. Um, I think it was harder for both of us actually to communicate to the other one because on, because I'm a recovering people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, disappointing people or, you know, reveling in the, in, that discomfort really challenging for me and that's something that's been my work but it was this beautiful experience and it was one of our best podcasts that we ever recorded and it was just us having this intimate conversation and there was even a point in the podcast where I grabbed Kelsey's hand as I was kind of modeling one of the exercises of how I anchor um, Kelsey in a moment and with deep breathing and I become the anchor for her to, to help her regulate her emotional state and to me that was something that stuck out in terms of our own podcast um of that modeling the things that we're talking about and how we had this beautiful experience that translated to the podcast. And it was, you know, doing that work, I mentioned it before when I was talking, but it was so freeing and liberating and owning the ways in which you're difficult. It gives you this beautiful space of self-acceptance of, I accept you in this version and and I accept myself and self-acceptance breeds so much power and it, it gives so much space to be imperfect. And I think that's the big thing that I really think about in relationships. And I talk about this a lot was in order for true love to be born, we have to kill the fantasy. We have to kill the fantasy of what, you know, that, that childhood. Yeah. Because I come from a very, you know, in terms of a love t- template, very Romeo and Juliet, Hollywood relationships will save you. <laughs> and then coming to terms with this new identity of a relationship with, space for it to be a bit messy, Mm -hmm. space for it to be imperfect, space for it to, space for us to suck sometimes, Mm -hmm. that we're not going to be perfect. And, you know, as long as we're in there and we're having the conversations, even if it's not pretty, Mm -hmm. as long as we're, we're communicating these things and trying to improve every day and, and, and kind of, you know, recording our podcast and the work that I've been doing has really helped me transform my own vision of what, love and a great relationship is and it's this real life love mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not you know magical and all these things but it's really firmly grounded in you know inherent self-acceptance of yourself and of your partner and embracing 
all of who you are and embracing all of who your partner is. And it's been a beautiful process with, with her podcast of uncovering more of that. Yeah, I love that. And for me, I think the thing that stood out the most is how real life kind of imitates our art. Mm. And before we, like we pick a different theme every month. And so whatever the theme is that we've picked, like usually a month before <laughs> we get into that month, all of those themes start bubbling up mm. in our relationship. And sometimes they've been really good bubbles up and we're like, whoa, this is amazing. Other times, not so much. Um, the month of like the under functioner over functioner mm. was a doozy for us mm. because that's like our biggest karmic play out with each other. Um, where I overfunction, Jamie underfunctions, and it started to show up in the way that we were showing up for the podcast or like not showing up for the podcast. And um, so we were forced, for lack of a better term, to work through that because I'm not going to get on the podcast without having actually worked through it. Like I'm not going to get on the podcast and talk this big talk when the you know, the back end of my life is a total disaster. Mm -hmm. And so I just was not okay with getting on a podcast talking about this stuff if it was in the way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been one of the most magical things about working together is that it brings these things front and center for us to deal with and we can't ignore them. Mm -hmm. And we have to deal with them if we really want to create impact, which mm -hmm. we both have uh, shared value on like we both really want to contribute in a way that enhances the lives of our listeners and our clients and the world around us and in order to do that we have to keep doing our work and that's really what fuels our podcast because mm -hmm. we don't do a ton of interviews on our podcast mm -hmm. um, it's mostly just the two of us and I think that's one of the the best parts of the work that we're doing is that we bring to our community things that we have already walked through mm -hmm. and that we understand on a deep emotional level. And so we can really relate to, you know, the ups and downs and ins and outs <laughs> that people might be experiencing as they walk their own version of the path too. Mm. I love that love because that. it's, it's truly living. Um, it's, it's a living laboratory. Right. You have the opportunity to yeah. create and build and inspire and impact based on that. And I think we need more of these conversations um, at the forefront where people talk about what it's like and that it's not frowned upon to actively work on your relationship and talk about your feelings and own your shadows um, and your light um, and to, to desire. I think everyone wants, we all want a healthy, beautiful relationship. We just haven't always been given the tools and so I want to thank you guys for what you are doing to put that out there in the world and have mm -hmm. that conversation because I think it's important for, for those models to be available, for the honesty to be there. I, I was telling someone in um, my last interview, I'm like, I'm kind of getting tired of five ways to do this and six ways to be a better lover and three ways <laughs> to have a – and I'm just like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like <laughs> – I don't, I, and I, I write, like, I write for a lot of magazines, and a lot of times when they reach out to me, and they're like, hey, will you do an article on X, and they're like, can you come up with five ways to, I'm like, oh, for the love of, you know, because our, our lives are so much more layered than that, and I think that that's a really important, it's important work that you're doing, so I want, I want to reflect that back to you, and um, mm. I have some questions to ask you that I ask everyone, and I'm, I'm curious. Um, for you guys specifically because of the amount of work that you've done. Um, same question to both. If you were to look 
mm-hmm. at a younger version of yourself based on your life experiences, what age would that younger version of yourself be and what advice would you have? Mm. Uh, you want me to go? Yeah, go for it. I can go. Um, I actually just did a post on this kind of concept recently and for some reason the immediate age that came to me was 22. Oh. Um, and, and I wrote on my Instagram, it was, it was a letter to 22-year-old me and I don't know why, but just early 20s was was kind of, um, I'm 32 now, and early 20s was something that came up and just kind of looking at what that, I guess because that's 10 years ago, that's, that's why I thought that age, but kind of looking at what that next decade was going to be like. And I think with me, um, you know, I come from under-functioning, um, you know, I grew up being hugged a lot, told I was special, told that I could do anything I wanted, which gave me this beautiful power to dream. And I think as I moved into my twenties and I remember, you know, later in high school, like I wanted to, you know, live an unorthodox life. I wanted to walk an unconventional path. I wanted to do something remarkable with my life. And always my greatest fear was that I was going to end up as the status quo. And so what I would say to my, my, the younger me, which is kind of what I said in this Instagram post was that everything's going to be okay. Mm. Um, you know, just embrace this path that you are going to end up exactly where you're supposed to be. And um, that just to fail a lot, to make mistakes. And the most important thing is to discover who you are, figure out what your talents are, what your gifts are, what you love, what you don't love. I think so many people are just so worried about being a success that they don't actually figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. And just to embrace the process of just discovering who you you are, because it's better to be a work in progress on a path you love than a success on a path that doesn't light your soul. And so I would just say to myself to to embrace the unknown, embrace the uncertainty, that everything is is unraveling and evolving exactly as it should, and you're gonna be okay in the end. Mm-hmm. And if you can arrive at you know 30 years old or whatever it may be, and you have absolutely nothing to your name, you're living in like a rundown apartment, but you know exactly who you are, and you found a soul path, that is more valuable than being halfway down a path that you walked unconsciously without really consciously creating a path that that lit you on fire and you know sure you can call yourself a a success but i don't even think you you could be a success if you don't if it doesn't light your soul and you don't love what you're doing so just discover who you are everything is going to be okay i love that and for me um the age that popped up was eight and i would tell that version of myself that it is safe to feel all of your feelings And you don't just have to be happy all the time. You're allowed to feel sad. You're allowed to feel angry. You're allowed to feel disgust. You're allowed to feel fear. You're allowed to feel joy. You're allowed to feel excitement. And down the line, you're allowed to feel sexual excitement. And all of it is okay. Mm -hmm. All of it is valid. All of it is normal. And I would probably give that version of myself a few tools for feeling those feelings Mm -hmm. of like what you know, what is appropriate expression of your anger Mm. or what is the appropriate expression of your grief, um, the appropriate expression of your fear and really model what that might look like for that version of myself, because that was around the time where those things were starting to shut down and that I was really only allowed to bring, you know, my, my best foot forward Um, and then like in the back end, like alone, that's where I was like grieving a lot because grief was 
allowed in my household, but the other, you know, anger, fears, mm. um, disgust, those were really pushed up to the, the sidelines there. So mm. like there was just not really safe space to express my anger and like what was modeled was more aggression. So like that's really been a, a huge unlearning is like pulling those two apart that clean anger and aggression are very two mm. very different things so you know it, it all comes down to like the feeling of the emotions identifying the emotions and really validating that they're normal mm. and they're allowed to be there and that they're going to be there like you can't outrun them so you may as well ride the waves um, i love that i um, have i'm raising two eight-year-olds <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah i'm raising two Perfect. eight-year-old girls with big feelings and mm. um both having come from, you know, both families divorcing and trying to help them name their feelings and learn how to process them appropriately, um, calling them out, explaining them, walking through them, but not using them to hurt um, self or other. And so that just, it just, I, I saw them as you were talking and I was just like, ugh, you know, it's like, it's such a gift to to be able to give a child the ability to understand themselves and know that they're okay. Um, so mm. thank you for that. That was like kind of gave me goosebumps. Um, second question for, <laughs> for both of you guys. Um, if you, this is the end of your lives and you're heading on, you're transitioning on and you need to leave behind a few, one, two, whatever, uh, nuggets, gold nuggets mm. of wisdom or inspiration for the next generation, what would they be? I get deep. Mm. Okay. okay. <laughs> very, very deep. I love it. Um, there are two things that kind of stand out to me. The first one is that the point isn't happiness. The point is wholeness. Mm. And if you're you know, chasing after happiness, you're going to lose a lot of who you are. But if you're on the quest for wholeness, you'll meet all of who you are. Mm. And that's the point. The point is to you know, meet yourself fully because until you meet yourself fully, we can't really be mm. connected to the world around us. And that connection is so magical, so enchanting. And it's a byproduct of us being connected to the entirety of our being. Mm. And the second thing is that your pleasure matters mm. and not, you know, this very like hedonistic um, viewpoint, but your soul pleasure matters. Mm. So what feels good in your soul is really, you know, put more of that in your day, mm. put more of that in your life and live a life that is pleasurable to your heart and your soul. And you will have spent your time so wisely. Mm. I love, love that. that. You guys, oh, that's beautiful. Um, for me, I just, <laughs> sorry, great. I had to oh, reflect that. that. I'm like, that was really beautiful. Very powerful. Um, for me, it's actually tattooed on my arm. Uh, <laughs> what, what, you know, when I got the question, I was thinking about it. And what's tattooed on my arm is the most valuable thing you own is your story. And these are my words that, that I came up with. And I'm also a screenwriter um, and filmmaker. So I'm, I'm a storyteller as well as, you know, relationship and dating and life coach. And so I use storytelling a lot in my sessions. And um, that's what I would say. It's the most valuable thing you own is your story because I believe that you know, we think we have to become someone else to be worthy, you know, like that amazing relationship we want to have, we think we need to become someone else. And often what holds us back from that incredible relationship is the belief that we're actually not worthy of it. 
you know, we want to make more money. It's about becoming more who you are. You want to live a more connected life. It's about becoming more who you are. So I would say to sink the roots into your story. Your greatest life is never by becoming someone else. It's by becoming more of who you are. Get to know yourself deeper on a soul level and own your story because your story is is going to be the thing that's going to bring you that incredible relationship using your story because that's what makes you unique. Mm -hmm. We're all humans and we all have a story that we need to tell. And by telling your story, it's going to change someone's life. It may change millions of people's lives. But first, use your story to change your own life. Mm. By sinking deeper into it, embracing it, good and bad, all of it, your story is bringing you to the evolution of your highest self and your greatest life. And we don't ever need to become someone else. We need to strip all the identities that we feel we need to be to be worthy because everything we need to be at peace is inside of our story. Mm. I love that too. That's really fun. I mean, so I, I think a lot about story and um, a lot of my work is, is is stripping away all of the stories of other, right? All of the the programming, generational, cultural, social, all of the things that you've been told that you are. You know, my whole thing has been you're born perfect. Everything that comes next is information. And it's a matter of how you understand that information and live through that information that kind of creates um, your storyline. And so many times we hide behind our stories or we – um, we shove them down and try to put a, a big smile on on the front of them. And, you know, I, I believe so wholeheartedly that we can offer the world more hope and more direction when we take off the shine and, and show who we are mm-hmm. and own it so that someone can't use it against us either, right? That's another thing that I feel very strongly about is we can allow people to judge us um, when we're not in ownership of our story when you're in ownership of your story and yes. you've learned how to transmute it into something positive and uh, as a force for change and for good, um, you're no longer mm. giving people any access or, or opportunities to, to pass judgment upon you because you've, you've embodied it wholeheartedly. Um, I love talking to you guys. You're both deep thinkers and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when I can get like you're, those, what was that? I said you have such a good energy. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's great talking to you. Oh, thank you. I, you guys, I love talking to people who are like they can go deep and they can they can share from from their being as opposed. I, you guys have been fantastic. So thank you for the work you are doing. Thank you for sharing your gold with me, and I so appreciate everything that you shared today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you, Jeanette, so much for having us. We love gold. Yay. Thank you so much for joining me today. I loved this conversation so much. I could talk about love forever with these guys. I love Jamie and Kelsey's advice to seek for wholeness over happiness and to meet ourselves fully within so that we may embrace the magical connection to the world around us. Remember that self-acceptance breeds so much power and the most valuable thing we have is our story. You can find Jamie and Kelsey on the Power Couple podcast at legendaryloveacademy.com or on IG at the Legendary Love Academy. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. Gold listeners, don't forget to sign up for your 30-day Live VIP experience at loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. 
Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.